This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many of the New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash sword. That's audiblepodcast.com slash sword. episode number 161. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Welcome to our book club. Thank you for joining us. Oh, Tom has things to say on the intro now. Interesting. I just want to make people feel like they're appreciated. That's all. Not well, that they aren't. I just want to make it extra sure. We are extremely we have new, happy. We have new people joining us, Veronica. We do. We do have some new people joining us. Um, we've been on the Boing Boing Podcast Network for about... Two months, a month and a half, and uh, so welcome if, if you found us that way. We are excited to have you. Um, and of course, this is a new month, which means we are discussing a new book pick, but we will get to that a little bit later. Um, first of all, if you're not familiar with the show, Sword and Laser is a science fiction and fantasy book club, video show, podcast, anthology. We are so many things now. We're a conglomerate. We are. We're a multi-megacore, uh, international, universal, galactic conglomerate. I like that. Galactic conglomerate. Yeah. It's a tongue twister, but that's what we are now. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so welcome to the show. I'm excited to get down to some of the cool stuff. Uh, what are you drinking, Tom? I am having a Maui Brewing Company lager called the Bikini Blonde. Ooh. They name all of their Maui Brewing Company things you know, island related stuff. So I'm actually a partial to the coconut porter that mm-hmm. they have. Uh, but this was all they, I, I actually saw this at the local grocery store and I was like, Oh my gosh, they have Maui brewing company stuff. I'm snapping that up. Nice. I am having a, um, a, a wine. Uh, it is called, uh, it is from plant plantagenet wines. Plantagenet, Plantagenet. I bet. After the, the Royal house of the plantagenets. It is a Southern Australian, um, Omya, Omra. Got me there. I have no idea. <laughs> Omra, Omra. <laughs> Omra mate. Omra wine. That's not even Australian. Even um, it is. Yeah, it's it's a red wine. I believe it is a uh, Shiraz, maybe. Oh, a Shiraz. Um, a Shiraz, and it's delicious. Uh, yeah, my bikini blonde. I mean, it's a lager, but it's a tasty lager, right? A lot of times you're like, ooh, lager that tastes like water. Not this one, man. They didn't filter it out. It's uh, it's got a, a good, robust flavor. But it's light because it's a lager. I'm, it, I'm, you know what? I like the Big Swell IPA, but um, maybe I'm coming around to the lager. I don't know. Interesting. I have not been drinking a lot of beer recently, but I miss it. I do miss it. Um, but let's jump oh, right so into, into the, uh, the quick burns. And the first story is from our friends over at Boing Boing. They have announced the instructors for the 2014 Clarion Writers Workshop, and it is looking pretty awesome. Yeah, this is, happens at uh, University of California, San Diego. Uh, they have great authors every year. Cory Doctorow of Boing Boing has been an instructor before. And this year's writer instructors are Gregory Frost, Jeff Ryman, Catherine Valente, N.K. Jemison, and Anne and Jeff Vandermeer. Wow, that is so cool. 
Man. It's a six-week boot camp for science fiction, fantasy, and basically speculative fiction writers. Uh, Since 1968. Own, can we call him our own? Our own Luke R. Pebbler, uh, who will be in the forthcoming Sword and Laser anthology, apparently did this. Is a graduate, an alumnus. He is a graduate. An alumni, alumnus. I don't know which, what is the difference between those two words? Uh, uh, alumni is the plural. Oh, he's an alumnus. He's an alumnus, <laughs> as is Cory Doctorow, an alumnus. Also an alumnus. Um, so that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I would love to do this sometime. I, I mean, I feel like I am too, not yeah. qualified at all, but to, to even go to get lessons there. But if you feel like you are even close to qualified, you should apply and applications close on March 1st. That is awesome. Go do it, Tom. You're close to there, kind Tom. of. I don't have time this year. That's what I tell myself every year. But don't be like me. Don't make excuses. Go apply. <laughs> <laughs> We have another article from Boing Boing, um, a science fiction writing competition, a world without the normal curve. Yeah. So this is really interesting. Uh, this is another Cory Doctorow post over at Boing Boing, which most of the speculative fiction posts are, are probably going to be from Cory. The Fields Institute for Research in Mathematical Sciences is partnering up with the American Statistical Association to try to highlight the importance of statistics in our society by asking people to write speculative fiction where you imagine a world where the normal curve had never been discovered. Mm-hmm. So the basis of statistics, of modern statistics, never gets discovered. And how does that affect the world and its science? Interesting. Winning Story gets a $2,000 grand prize if you want to put a number on it. Uh, and an additional $1,500 in cash is available for youth submissions. Fantastic. Uh, speaking of awards, uh, kind of, um, there's been some discussion happening around on the Internet about the gender disparity um, among shortlists for different awards that happen in, in genre fiction, um, specifically uh, over on the British side of things. And there's an article over on io9 kind of explaining what some of these awards are doing to to help bridge that gap a little bit. Um, and the the uh, the Clark Awards, which is, of, of course, a major award, they're putting out two separate long lists. Uh, one is going to be uh, featuring 33 books by women, and one is going to be featuring books by men. Um, so that's that's one way of doing it, I guess, two, two separate lists. Uh, but yeah, a lot and trying, of trying to highlight the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, they actually have a significant number of female authors on here. The BSFA Awards also last year had an all-male shortlist. Uh, this year's shortlist has two women this is a much shorter list. There's only five <laughs> yes. novelists on the list. I have trouble uh, even calling the the Clark Awards, uh, the Arthur C. Clark Award, a short list because I mean, thirty three list, thirty three books is a lot. That's a long list, yeah. yeah. But there's some them, some books on there that I think a lot of you will recognize, um, including Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie um, mm-hmm. is on there, and also stuff from uh, let's see, Mira Grant. Uh, Margaret Atwood, um, Madeline Ashby, uh, so a lot of from Angry Robot, which is fantastic. It's a, um, it's a difficult conversation to have because you want people's writing to be judged on the writing, mm-hmm. not on who they are. But at the same time, last year when you have two shortlists with no female authors and females were writing things, you wonder, speaking of statistics, how is that possible, right? There's, there should mm-hmm. – there were plenty of – female authors to choose from and there were good ones how did they not make the list so uh it's it's that fine line that you always run into of like well how do how do we make sure this isn't some kind of prejudice without creating another kind of prejudice i i think this idea of making two lists to kind of say okay well 
let's let's highlight it is a good temporary fix. I wouldn't want that to become a permanent thing, but then it starts to to feel like oh, well, we have to have exactly the same amount of any kind of category, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, over on Scott Westerfeld's blog, uh, Scott, who I invited on Sword and Laser video show and never responded to me, by the way. It's because he's busy with he's busy with Intel. He's super busy with the Intel Leviathan project. Um, I don't actually. I, I've heard of, I've I've heard this bouncing around the internet, but I don't actually know really what this is all about. I haven't read the series, um, so maybe maybe you know more about this than I do. I'm hoping. I, I, I know pretty much what what Scott's written on his blog here, which is that the USC School of Cinematics uh, Arts World Building Media Lab <laughs> has been working on a project around his Leviathan series in partnership with Intel. They're combining technology and storytelling into creating a 3D virtual model of the airship Leviathan wow. both inside and out backstories for all the crew members a ton of ancillary material things like diaries and timelines uh, he says on his blog more detailed than anything in my novels uh, and it's a pretty impressive video if you if you get the link out of our show notes at swordandlaser.com take a look and and see the VR helmets that they have it's not an Oculus Rift but it's an Oculus Rift type situation where you can live in scott westerfield's world i mean what a dream for an author to have a team of people creating the world that you imagined for you oh that would be so amazing and just think about the possibilities for the future like the way we can experience books in a totally different way a totally yeah like fully immersive way like you can say a book is immersive of course they are but at the same time actually being in the world would be something else entirely well, and Scott says that, you know, that this is the future of storytelling. It's not about technology. It's not about ebooks versus video versus he's like, this is where we just kind of take off all the boundaries and say, let's just mainline our imagination, so mm-hmm. to speak. Very cool. Um, we also have another post from io9. It's an interactive chart that maps out all the different storylines in the did Hobbit. Did you play around with this? What? Yeah, did I you did. Play around? I yeah, did. It's, it's cool. really cool. It's it's was created uh, by Natalia Belenko, um, who's a grad student at the University of California at Berkeley um, at the Helen Wills Neuroscience Institute, and also from Asako uh, Miyakawa, uh, also of Berkeley. So they created this chart together, and you can drag the slider at the very top. Uh, from chapter to chapter. And as you do so, you see uh, the relationships between the different characters um, in that chapter and what's happening. So if you go to chapter five, for example, you see like all of the interaction is happening between Bilbo and Gollum and a little bit with the great goblin because he's in there. Oh, right. Because he's there right at the beginning. That's interesting. (laughs) So you can just keep dragging it and then you see uh, the positive and negative. um, I, I, I don't really... It's kind of an emotional... It's an emotion intensity for each sentence. Yeah, yeah. so they look at each sentence and say, is this a positive sentence or or is this largely a negative sentence? And then they rank it. I assume that's where the neuroscience comes in. Right. So but it could be go, some kind of semiotic analysis. I'm not sure. So back in now in chapter six, we're still having a discussion between Bilbo and... Um, and Gollum. And the highest point, the most intensity is, is um, he's following Gollum. And Gollum is saying, two left, yes, yes. And Bilbo hurried after him, still cautiously, though his chief fear now was of tripping on another snag and following the noise. It doesn't know the way out, by the way. A very positive statement from the perspective of Gollum, right? They're like, cool. (laughs) Yeah, what's the darkest one? The dark sentence. Let's see, the biggest 
like most negative thing. I'm I'm having trouble because these lines are so thin. Yeah, I think it's the men of Dale used to have the trick of understanding their language and use them for messengers to fly to the men of the lake and elsewhere. See, I don't understand why that is so emotionally charged. I, it must be in context the fact that well they used to have this but they don't anymore. That's mm, my guess. I don't know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Interesting. I'm not. I cannot claim to understand. It's an emotion inten- intensity. So maybe it's a loss. They used to have this trick, and that's that's the emotional intensity of it. Um, but it's 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 a really interesting timeline. The entire text of the book is there mm-hmm. uh, that's when a lot. you highlight over these emotions and all of these interrelationships, uh, which I'm, I'm sure is really where the neuroscience part of this comes in is mapping those connections mm-hmm. uh, between people. And then you can highlight on character names and see their relationships in that particular chapter mapped out. It's a really fascinating way to experience the book. Yes, definitely. All right, well, let's move on to the calendar. There's a lot coming out this month. Um, on February 4th, we have Dreamwalker by C.S. Friedman. We have Stolen Crown, a novel of Mythgar by Dennis L. McKiernan. We have The Flight of the Silvers by Daniel Price. V.S. Day, a novel of alternate history by Alan Steele. Like a Mighty Safehold by David Weber. Like a Mighty Army, sorry, uh, by David Weber. The Reaver, The Sundering, Book Four by Richard Lee Byers. And Three Princes by Ramona Wheeler. Yeah, and V.S. Day... Kind of a, a novel after my own heart, by the way. I've been, I've been looking forward to this one coming out because Ooh. it's a what if the World War II had turned out differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if they give up on on the V2 rocket? Uh, and, and Men in the High Castle, one of my favorite books of all time. So that kind of thing's always going to pull me. Uh, February 6th, Archetype by M.D. Waters comes out. February 11th, Queen of the Dark Things, a novel by C. Robert Cargill, scriptwriter, uh, his first novel. I think it's his first anyway. Uh, Conquest, The Chronicles of the Invaders, book one, which is part of the Chronicles of Invaders trilogy, in fact, the first book, by John Connolly and Jennifer Ridyard. Uh, The Martian, a novel by Andy Weir, and The Waking Engine by David Edison. All right, and then on February 13th, we have The Water Knife by Paolo Bacigalupi. Uh, that is the UK release date, so you're going to still have to wait around a little bit, I think, for the US release, being a yeah. UK-based author. I know. I, I don't know if we've got a UK date I'll, or a US date, but I'll take a look. But you can order it from Amazon UK. Nice. And then you get it now. And then also on February 18th, we have Red Rising by Pierce Brown and Concealed in Death by J.D. Robb. That is uh, Nora Roberts, her uh, nom de plume. Excellent. Well, shall we take a break and thank our sponsor? <laughs> take, uh, I was like, take a nap? No, not a nap. Actually, you're not going to be able to sleep because you're going to be hearing an amazing novel read to you in your ears. Ooh. Well, yes, we want to thank Audible for its support of Sword and Laser. Um, Audible, of course, as you well know, is a leading provider of downloadable audiobooks. And, of course, we have a special offer exclusively for our listeners coming right up. They have over 150,000 books covering virtually every genre and tons of science fiction and fantasy in there as well. Um, If you want to listen to a book, Audible has it. You can listen to audiobooks anytime, anywhere on your iPhone, your iPad, your Mac, your PC, your Kindles, and so on and so forth. They're pretty much on every platform that I can think of. And they sync across a lot of the platforms, even sometimes from the ebook to the audiobook. The, whisper, the precious whisper syncing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Whisper syncing. I do love it so much. Um, so, of course, if you want to download a free audiobook to try out the service along with a 30 day, that's 30 days free, absolutely, um, head over to audiblepodcast.com slash sword now we know we told you last time it was sword laser but they're like hey you guys they already had work. 
They both work as far as we know. So if you want to keep using sword, that's great. If you want to use sword laser, because you want to be all inclusive on both swords (laughs) and lasers. Thank you. I I personally thank you (laughs) if you do that. But audiblepodcast.com slash sword. Uh, Get you a free audiobook that yours, it's yours to keep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ursula K. Le Guin's Wizard of Earthsea, this month's pick, is there, and it's awesome. It's a, I, I'm really enjoying this narration. I'm listening to it. Oh, you're month. listening to it, huh? Yeah. Very cool. Now, one funny thing what? is that at one point they're like, turn the cassette over. <laughs> so oh, this, no. audio, this is obviously an older mm-hmm. recording mm-hmm. of the audiobook, but that was kind of that was kind of funny too. But no, the narrator. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look at up to find out for sure what the narrator's name is. Just this beautiful, rich, old voice that totally fits the Earthsea uh, oeuvre. Vibe, the vibe. Yeah, yeah, vibe. Thank you. That's a much better word. Um, no, oeuvre is a better word than vibe, but maybe no, in this it's context. Not. It's a much more pretentious word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's narrated by Rob Inglis, and he does a great job. Oh, cool. And I just finished listening to um, the uh, Hounded by uh, Kevin Hearn. Oh, I'm still Iron, listening to that as well. Yeah, Chronicles, I haven't finished though. And I really enjoyed it, and I'm definitely going to keep listening to that series. And then today, I just started listening to um, cons- Curtsies and Conspiracies, the new Gail Carriger book. Oh, the Gail um, Carriger one, yeah. From, from the Finishing School series. Um, I think I'm getting the name wrong, but it's also fantastic. So anyway, I, I love any all my one of those could be yours for nothing. Or all if you're like, nothing. I'm already an Audible subscriber, Tom and Veronica. You could be the great hero of the day who gives a free audiobook to somebody else by just telling them audiblepodcast.com slash sword. Yep, that's audiblepodcast.com slash sword. And thanks to Audible for their continued support of the show. You're the best, Audible. What? All right, let's move into uh, some TV, movies, and video games real fast. We have just one quick story. Um, it seems like American Gods is getting a reprieve. Yeah, this is on the television? continuing saga. The continuing saga of, of American whether Gods American on Gods will be turned into a television show. Uh, Fremantle Media—they produce a lot of television shows. You, mm-hmm. you probably have seen their little logo at the end of shows. The Tomorrow People, uh, The Returned—they have signed a deal to develop American Gods for television. So uh, Neil Gaiman's on board as an executive producer. Doesn't mean that it's actually going to be on a network yet, or it's in production, or anything like that. But it's the next step from losing it to hbo hbo said we're not going to do it uh getting somebody else to sign on like okay we'll develop it that's that's what you need to happen next if you want to see american gods turn into a tv show i love the discussion happening in the forums on io9 because one guy is saying like make it a miniseries a single miniseries and cast jason momoa as shadow which of course was uh called droga from game of thrones he's the joke rocky he was also in Farscape and Stargate Atlantis. And then another guy is like, cast The Rock as Shadow. And I'm like, I can't decide what I want more. I love oh. them both. I really love The Rock. I'm a huge Rock fan. You Did know, you I used that? to not. I used to not. And I, he totally won me over over I'm the obsessed. years. So I like no. two guys. I like two guys in movies. Two, only two. I like Jason Statham. And I like The Rock. What about Cruz? Nope. No? No, two guys. I said Tom. I said two guys. Okay, okay. I, I like take- bald guys. They're both bald. And they're both <laughs> muscly. And they kick you liked, ass. You liked Cruz for a while, I remember. Tom Not Cruise? Not Tom. No, no. The, Who are the you rest- talking about? Kevin. Kevin Cruz? Who? C-R-E-W-S. Can't remember his first name. So Wait, do you mean... Oh, you Terry Cruz. Terry Cruz? <laughs> yeah. 
I do also like Terry Crews. See, I knew it. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was confusing because when you kept saying Cruz, I thought you, were you thinking meant C R U I. Because I have to say I his name Terry for some reason. I have, so you to, have to say, say his Terry. name Terry. You have to say Terry Crews. You can't say just Cruz or. All right. I would have gotten it if you had said Terry. Hey, we're kicking off a new book this month. All right, I'll stop talking about this. I had a glass <laughs> of wine, and now I want to talk about action heroes that I like. That's a spinoff podcast. That would be a great. Bald action heroes that I like. By Instead Veronica of sword Bella. and laser, it would be bald and exploding. Bald. That sounds terrible. Because they're action heroes and there's, okay. there's explosions going Good. on. Cool guys. Walk you know, I can see explosions. the Nakatomi building from my house. What? It's a diehard reference for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's one bald action hero. He's okay. Yeah, I'm he's... A, I like Bruce Willis. All right. I like Bruce Willis. Should we kick off Back the book? In the day. Okay, we'll talk about the book now. Um, so we are kicking off A Wizard of Ursi by Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, and this was my pick for the month. This is my sword pick. And it I have already read it. So um, newly. I'm, I have newly read it. I have finished it. A large already. way through it because it's so good, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And the audiobook is so good, too, uh, that I can't put it down. I was just finding reasons to listen to it recently. Uh, it was begun in 1967 when Herman Schein, who's the publisher of Parnassus Press and the husband of Ruth Robbins, uh, illustrator of the book, asked Ursula Le Guin to write a book for older kids. Mm -hmm. And they published it in 1968. A couple of her short stories, The Rule of Names, which came out in 64, and The Word of Unbinding also came out in 64, established some of the groundwork. Uh, But it is... A, it's a wizard story, and it's uh, a young wizard who doesn't realize he's a wizard, and he gets sent to a wizarding school. Does this sounding familiar right. to you? So Le Guin has claimed she doesn't feel that J.K. Rowling ripped her off, quote, uh, but that she felt that Rowling's books were perhaps overpraised for their supposed originality, um, and that Rowling, quote, could have been more gracious about her predecessors. My in- incred- incredulity... My incredulity was at the critics who found the first book wonderfully original. She has many virtues, but originality isn't one of them. That hurt. Bam! Yeah. Slapped down by Ursula K. Le Guin. Ursula Slapped Le Guin down. isn't having that. And she's not having Google scanning her books either. She ain't she having was, it. She was, she was mad about a lot of that stuff. Not having uh, it. But Wizard of Earthsea, I mean, all due respect, man, it set the tone. It 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 was the it was the it was the wizard book. And right. she was influenced by Tolkien, obviously. She was actually influenced a little bit by Philip K. Dick, who she went to the to high school with. They were in the same high school class. They did oh. not know each other in high school. Really? I had was, no idea. She later claimed that his work definitely influenced her. Um and she had been a writer since around age nine. She was the daughter of famous anthropologists. Uh her her father set up the anthropology department at the University of California, Berkeley, Alfred Krober, uh, and Alfred Krober and his wife, Theodora Krober, Le Guin's parents, uh, worked with Ishii, who is a famous story of, of one of the last untouched by Western civilization natives of the North American continent. So it's, uh, it's really fascinating uh, lineage for her and then to become a writer. And one of the things I don't want to get too much into discussing the actual book, but I think this is spoiler free is to say that you don't feel like you're reading a 1968 book. Some of the other books we've read recently mm-hmm. from time periods feel of their time. This one does not in any way to me. No, I was going to say it, it does feel very timeless. Um, and, but it has a very timeless story. Um, so it has to do with Ged, um, or his name isn't Ged yet. At the, at the beginning of the story, his name is Dunny, 
Um, and he's a, a goat herd. He tends goats in, in a mountain village. And then uh, he kind of falls under the tutelage of his aunt, who's like the village witch. And she discovers that he has some command over uh, certain words um, in the true speech. And so she starts to train him. She's kind of a, a bee, though. She's a little bit of a bee. She's, she's a bitch. Don't trust the witch. witch. She's a witch bitch. She's actually, I, 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 we, we should leave it a little bit for people to discover on their own. But, but you know, she's, she's not the best role model for okay. him as All far right. as was his power. I don't think that was spoilery, just saying that she's kind of a jerk. No, I was afraid I was going to, if I was like, oh, if I say too much more, then okay. we're going to start talking about their Long stuff. Long story but, short, he does yeah. eventually go to wizarding school, um, which is not quite as, as fun and carefree as Hogwarts. <laughs> I would say um, this is more Lev Grossman's more in the tradition of this wizard, wizarding school. I would say. Oh, you know, interesting. I don't know. I would say maybe not. I would say maybe really Lev Grossman's wizarding school from the Magicians is more like Hogwarts in certain ways. Maybe in certain ways. Like maybe in construction, but in the way people treat each other. Yeah. I, f- I felt I felt the little simpatico thing going on okay. that maybe. I mean, he he must have read this and and been influenced by it. I would perhaps think. we should ask him sometime. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's definitely one of those coming of age stories. Um, it's it's it, it feels like a very true interpretation of how a teenage boy would react to having some of these abilities. Definitely, um, which is interesting, especially coming from a female author. We always who's, talk about who's never been a teenage boy. Who has <laughs> never been a teenage boy? Oh, I just recorded that Skype sound. Sorry, I just uh, so I just reinstalled OS ten on my on my MacBook Air, and so all of my settings have gone kaput. So if you hear Skype sounds and weird stuff anything. going on in the background, well, didn't it's going to record it because it came from skype and that's what it's going to go in um that's why it's not it's not my fault i swear i just haven't gone through and changed all the settings yet i didn't have the time um but anyway this this book is fantastic um there are some dark moments for sure but i think overall it's it's just a great classic story io9 actually had an article about why it's important to read this series um if you want to kind of have a complete basis of knowledge for fantasy fiction and I found it to be really because a lot of people in the forums are actually saying, do I need to read this? Is this important to read? It seems like it's really similar to a lot of other stuff out there. It seems like it's a little bit simplistic. And io9 actually has a lot of great comebacks for why, even though those things may be true in this day and age, why it's still an important series to have known and to have read and digested. And honestly, so far, I, I don't find it that simplistic. I don't find it to be – no disrespect, but when we read T.H. White, I mm-hmm. felt that to be somewhat simplistic. And I know at the time it wasn't because it was the first retake on Arthurian legend of you know the 20th century for sure. And so it felt very revolutionary at the time. But in retrospect, now that we've seen so many other takes, mm-hmm. it doesn't. I am not feeling that about Wizard of Earthsea. I am not feeling like, oh, well, so many people have done The Magicians and Harry Potter and and plenty of, you know, Patrick mm-hmm. Rothfuss with The Name of the Wind. You talk mm-hmm. about names mm-hmm. having power. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done that so, so well. I, I, none of that makes me think less of the story I'm hearing. The story I'm hearing is very solid and very deep. So I found that article I was talking about and some of the reasons. Um, number one, they offer three very different takes on the heroic journey. I'm not going to spoil things. They're about life in an archipelago, which is very different, especially for us in the future, wherein a lot of futurists believe that a lot of coastal cities will become archipelagos. Um, They're about facing up to the reality, the reality of death, 
which mm-hmm. is important. Uh, Le Guin has the best dragons. Nah. And, you know, actually, Max Gladstone um, went over and argued about that, about, about her dragons and how they are basically the gold standard of dragons. Interesting. Which is great if you love dragons. It pretty much all comes back to dragons at some point, right? All the time. Uh, five, yeah. it's like the anti-Narnia. Interesting. It's fantasy where you can feel the interaction of cultures. There are different, very distinct cultures within the book. It's one of the few series that gracefully ages its characters. This is, of mm-hmm. course, moving on past this, yeah, there, this first we book. Should, we should mention there's four books in the, uh, in mm-hmm. the series. Yeah, It's got a really good system of magic. Number nine, a fantasy series with a feminist message. Okay, interesting. And ten, it will teach you to become a good person. Oh, wow. That's a big claim. So, I, don't, hey, I can't say that yet. But I'm I'll not have saying to... you have to read this pick. But if but you want to be a good person, person you don't. I, you I don't know about that last one. That's a little. You may be a, a bad person if you don't read this book. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a. I'm just, uh, I'm just throwing it out there. Overreach. I'm not saying it's definitive, but I am not the person to say this. So, it's, you know, anything's possible. Well, uh, we will be discussing it in the forums at goodreads.com. So head on over there and uh, jump in. Lots of people have been reading it and discussing it already. So there's a good, solid base of people to talk with. Don't get left out. Also, don't get left out of our March book pick, which the poll is up. Ooh, yay. The the vote is on. And now I I populated it with several items from our Listopia, which is kind of an ongoing list oh of people saying, you know, I want to I want to read this book. Mm-hmm. I added The Martian, uh, which is coming out soon mm-hmm. as, as so that we had something new in there. It's by Andy Weir. And then I allowed write-ins. So oh, we've already got, right. we already got three write-in votes in there as well. So now this is a science fiction pick, by the way. Yes, right. It's a laser pick. Uh, so that will be our March pick. It, it, I think I gave us till like the day before our next episode. So you've got two weeks to get over there from February 4th. It ends on the 17th and that'll be our March pick. And then just a little tease ahead for April, our April pick will be chosen uh, by Kickstarter backer Brian Benson. He backed us at the level that allowed him to pick the April book. Mm. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what to pick. I'm torn because I've really wanted to read Altered Carbon. No, Brian Benson gets to pick the April pick, Veronica. You don't get to pick it. But this is the March pick. Oh, you're back to talking about the March pick. I'm still looking at the poll. I'm sorry. I stopped listening to you when you talked about the poll. Right. I understand. So we have House of Suns, Altered Carbon, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which has been in a poll like 50 times. I just want to put that out there. Because it's at the top of the listopia. It's at the top of the listopia, mind you, but it never wins the poll. It's it's the I don't know it's like the Jerry Brown of of presidential. It's book like what's that? Who's that soap star? There's a soap I've, star that keeps getting nominated for a daytime Emmy and she never wins. Well, she never wins. Uh, no, yeah, she I don't know. She never wins. I think she, maybe she finally won. You guys know who I'm talking about. Um, we got Consider, Flebus, The Martian Chronicles, The Prefect, The Long Earth, Roadside Picnic, and The Martian. What'd you pick, Tom? I pick Altered Carbon by Richard K. Morgan. He's got a new book coming out, and Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of really good discussions about Altered Carbon already kind of happening inside areas on the forum. So I think it would make a good discussion book. Also, I can't vote for Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep because I'm I'm the Philip K. Dick fan, and that would be stacking the deck. I'm going to vote for Altered Carbon, too, because I have a copy of that book already. I have a copy of it, too, actually. (laughs) Is that a bad reason to vote for something? Looks that like- shouldn't be your only reason. And don't forget, House of Sons, The Prefect, and Roadside Picnic are all write-in votes. Those were not 
part. And they're, oh, they're, they're starting right. to get other votes from people. They are. So that's kind of cool. They are. Uh, uh, should I say what's leading right now? Sure. I mean, it won't be leading by the time people no. hear this, probably. But uh, the Martian, Martian Chronicles, Chronicles jumped to leading. an early lead. Yeah. Altered Carbon is second. And then Long Earth. And then poor, poor androids. Anyway, uh, poor androids. I'm just going to read that on my own one day because I think no one's ever going to pick it for the book. Club, I'll just pick it. Sad. I'll just pick it. Are you just going to pick it? Like, just I've never picked a Philip K. Dick book. Have I? I don't think we've read a Philip K. Dick book. No, I don't no, think we so have. No. See, and that's the problem is I wouldn't pick that book if I wanted to pick one Philip K. Dick book. What would you pick? I would pick either The Man in the High Castle because it's my favorite, mm-hmm. which would lead to another possibly Lem-like situation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no all right or well, i would more, pick more like lem later i would pick like the counterclock world maybe or clans of the alphane moon i think those are both more representative and great stories okay fair enough uh we gotta hurry up because tom has a live news hit soon so we gotta wrap things up before he has to be on air um so real fast we have uh barrier sword which is our feedback from the audience Yes, we got one from Dustin who posted up, what fictional items would you decorate a room with? He's reading Libriomancer and curious what items, maps, weapons, artifacts, relics, keepsakes, clothes, etc. you would pull from a fantasy or sci-fi book to decorate your office. Oh, uh, man. He could, he's got some good Sanderson stuff in here. A Steel Inquisitor Eye Spike. Mm-hmm. Vin's Mist Cloak and Obsidian Dagger. You know, nicely mounted on the wall. I could see that. <laughs> Uh, shard plate, shard blade, soul caster, and a gem heart from Way of Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, bead of adium, some of those crystal candra bones maybe scattered about, and a colos sword from Mistborn. There are some serious too. lists in this thread, which I think is amazing. This Most is awesome. people this want swords. <laughs> Most people want swords. Well, yeah, I mean, the sword just makes perfect, like above yeah. the mantelpiece sort of thing. I um, love that. We had another one that was uh, all of the ship uh, models from Mass Effect. That was um, wow. from, from uh, Dara. Dara says all of Shepard's spaceship models, which is great, and all of her armor and her Black Widow sniper rifle. Um, we've got a lot of stuff from Skyrim. We have a lot of stuff from Drist. Um, we have a lot of stuff from, oh, the Subtle Knife, for example, Excalibur. Um, so stuff from all sorts of... of I like uh, Jake says, Bob the Skull. Make a perfect decoration item. Bill says maybe Joffrey balls. Baratheon's mounted head. Nah. I think that's pretty good. good. That. So yeah, jump in, jump in there and, and add your two cents into that because I think it's pretty fun. Um, and, oh, we were speaking of Lem earlier and to Lem book and Lois has started a, a campaign. <laughs> well, not really a campaign. She added Lem... Uh, the verb to Lem to Urban Dictionary, and we have a link over in the show notes. And um, you can give it. You can give that definition to Lem, uh, which means, of course, to to drop. A it means book, a supreme a being. Some say has warrior-like characteristics. Nope. Wow, is, Richard is trying to be Lem. That's that, the first definition. That's the first definition, which doesn't make any sense. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Number three definition is to give up on reading a book before the end can also be capitalized Lem. And the, the example is Veronica. I had to Lem. Memoirs found in a bathtub. I just couldn't finish it. Makes me sad every time I hear it. <laughs> so give that a little thumbs up. Let's make that the uh, de facto definition for the word Lem on Urban Dictionary. Oh, there's a lot of there's seven de- definitions for Lem. They're weird. They're all weird. Except for, ours. Sense, except for ours. Ours is amazing. Vote it up. <laughs> All and right, Tom, share with your friends. I think you should read this email. All right. I can, it's really I can, about you. 
I, well, that, then that makes it weird. Um, Kevin, the last conquistador. No, Kevin that's Singer. not who it's from. I'm sorry, that's the book he's oh, recommended. That's the book he's. I was. I saw the link after that. I'm I like, always Wait forget a to put Kevin the name Singer in people's. Is us? And people think, go ahead, I'll, I'll find somebody it. who it's Veronica Mike, Mike didn't think it's that important Ike. to know. Oh, it's Mike. Okay, Mike sorry. E. Mike wrote in and said, hey, guys, I listened to Tech News today for a long time and really enjoyed Tom's narrative about tech and the tech industry. I just returned from a short hiatus to discover that Tom's no longer there. It's only been a couple episodes, but it doesn't feel the same. Uh, I remember Tom used to mention Sword and Laser from time to time, and I figured I'd give it a try. I downloaded and listened to my first Sword and Laser episode today and liked what I heard. I used to submit articles to the subreddit from time to time at Tech News Today. Not sure what the official way is to submit for this show, but I just read a book I thought was very relevant to discuss. You guys had about how fantasy and sci to a discussion you guys had about how fantasy and sci-fi are tied together and how, as Tom mentioned, it even mixes into horror sometimes. I thought this book was really cool just for the reason it's got pirates, it's got pseudo time travel, and it's got monsters. And of course, he's talking about, as I mentioned, Kevin Singer, The Last Conquistador. Very cool. We'll have to check that one out. I've got too many books on my to-read list right now, so... But I am marching along to my uh, goal for 2014, so I'm feeling pretty good about it, have to say. It's been, uh, it's been a busy year of reading so far. I'm reading right now um, Shaman by Kim Stanley Robinson. Oh, really? Nice. And it's not what I expected, but I like it. I'm reading Zoe's Tale by John Scalzi, still. Oh. I, I dropped it for a while because we had so many things going on, so many books to read, and so I picked that back up. Also because I was reading The Great North Road pretty much all last year. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm back to reading Scalzi, and I'm, I'm reading Kevin Hearn as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm along in that book, and of course mm-hmm. read our book pick for this month, The Wizard of Earthsea. Fantastic. Um, so as we mentioned, we are part of the Boing Boing Podcast Network. So there are tons of different shows over there at boingboing.net slash category slash podcasts. Um, one you guys may be interested in is the You Are Not So Smart podcast. It's yeah. hosted by David McRaney. Um, he's a journalist and self-described psychology nerd. Um, and so in this episode, he's talking about where is the line between medicine and alternative medicine? Are Eastern mm. medicine and Western medicine truly at odds? And if so, who is right and who is wrong? What harm is there in using complementary or, or integrative treatments in an effort to improve wellness? Hmm. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. That's fascinating. It yeah. does sound pretty interesting. I'm it interested. sounds like he's taking a let's, let's look at the facts kind of approach, which is cool. I like that. Yeah. So that's, I thought that you guys are skeptics out there. You might be interested in, in checking that one out. Um, so all the shows are at boingboing.net slash category slash podcasts. And hey, if you want to get in touch with us, leave us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Uh, the website is swordandlaser.com. Everything's happening over on goodreads.com. That's where all our discussions go down. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, the phone number is 415-7-SWORD-6. Oh, and hey, by the way, we haven't had a show since then, uh, but thank you to everyone who came to the Sword and Laser meetup. Oh, right. No, that was fantastic. We had a full house. Yeah, full house over at Borderlands here in San Francisco. Um, Luke, of course, read his short story for the Sword and Laser anthology, um, which was incredible. I read one of the one of the stories and I did not do it justice so I apologize oh no you did fine and Sky <laughs> showed up and sang and Sky sang and you can hear his song about the Dresden Files over on the blog I look for the Borderlands post it is incredible um, so thank you guys for coming we'll definitely have more of those in the future it was a lot of fun and that's it We'll see you guys next week. Uh, we will be having an interview with uh, Gregory Wilson, who is the uh, the author of the upcoming graphic novel Icarus. So stay tuned. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.